Hello and welcome to The Realist Podcast. You haven't seen us in six years. Back like we never left. Varun, your thoughts on coming out of retirement? I just think that we've been gone for so long and the landscape has changed in so many ways and yet everyone out there is still biting a style that we invented in 2004. Well put. I was going to say I feel a little bit like Jordan coming out with the four or five on his back. Yeah. And just being like, man, this game needs me. It's been it's been um, both heartwarming and infuriating to watch other people take our throne. But I think if, if there's any week to talk about homecomings and homecomings pay off, <laughs> this, this is it. This is that week. Yeah. I was going to say, so 2010 when we left off, that was pre-embrace like debate era at ESPN, yeah. pre-skip like Bayless on steroids, pre-Fox uh, Sports 1 conservative social commentary. Like The media game has spun so far out of control. I'd say it's worse off than the rap game right now, which is pretty low bar. And I don't want to say that we invented, a cult- invented culture websites. But we invented culture websites. <laughs> we just yeah, it. yeah. We did that in 2004 on a blogger website. Yeah. I, I don't even remember actually how we promoted anything. We didn't. There was no Twitter. Facebook, you, you didn't have pages, I don't believe, back in 2004. It had just launched. I think we probably called friends and read the URLs to them letter by letter. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to say we like sent letters out. Through the mail, because that was the only way to communicate. That was actually 10% of our time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we need to get into it. Uh, the NBA Finals ended last night, and you are one of the rare cases of people that hated LeBron James when he was in Cleveland the first time, and then loved LeBron James once he left to Miami. Yeah. Can you explain the dynamic there? Well, here's the thing. So... Um, I'm a Pistons fan. LeBron dominated us, essentially like ended the Pistons' run that year that he had 25 points in a row on us. So like obviously from a fan perspective, I just I couldn't stand him then. And then he left Cleveland, and it was so easy to jump on the bandwagon of being mad at him. And then when he lost in Miami to the Mavs that year, I remember like watching that game and thinking like, He's too good for this to be his career, his narrative. Like, it would be such a waste of potential and talent if, like, he never he never reaches that goal. So I think from that moment, I was cheering for him. And, like, I was so happy when he won in Miami. Um, like, the OKC championship, the Spurs championship. I didn't mind that second Spurs loss. And when he came back to Cleveland, like, narratively, it just felt so cool. And yeah. I, I realized that, like, as I've gotten older with sports – uh, narrative is so much more important to me than anything else. And that's probably not like a groundbreaking statement for anyone to make, but like, it's like the story arc has just been so incredible to see for him. And like, he has his flaws, like so many other players, but he's delivered on everything he said he would ever do. And he's like, he, I think you can define greatness in two ways. One, it's like either stats or accomplishments or two, it's just like doing things on a basketball court that no one else can do. And he, he just does that. Like no one else could cover half of a court in two seconds. Except Tayshaun Prince. Except Tayshaun <laughs> Two <Yes>. people. <laughs> two people on the earth can do that. But LeBron was in game seven of 
the finals after playing 46 minutes, like against Iguodala, who makes all these crazy finishes, like it's just unreal. And I don't, I just don't know how you can't cheer for someone to be great. Now, Steph, Steph is great. Like he's the best shooter of all time, and he's like he's an unbelievable talent. But he just has never resonated with me in the same way that LeBron has, and I don't know why that is, but he just never has. And when you pit these two against each other, I just immediately gravitate towards LeBron. And also making fun of every Golden State Warrior fan who's not really a Golden State Warrior. <laughs> yeah, I I just want to throw this out there. I feel like with LeBron James, people started to turn on him even before the decision. And I feel like a lot of it has to do with the media and what they push. And you just reach the saturation point, like with Tim Tebow or someone like that, that there's just so much adulation. You're just like, stop. Now, I didn't reach that point because I'm a Cavs fan and I could hear about how great LeBron was all day. But then, you know, people were kind of ready to turn on him. Then there was the decision. And then when Miami, when he was in Miami and he was booed and everyone just ripped him, then you reach the saturation point of, I'm tired of this guy being ripped. He's a great basketball player. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it kind of turned the other way. And now I feel like people are cheering for LeBron. And part of it has to do with the fact that he came back to Cleveland. But I feel like people are just so tired of him being hated on that I feel like people have turned the other way. Well, here's the, here's the interesting thing with, like, sports debates nowadays is, like, everyone wants to prove that they're right and they just cherry-pick whatever facts they need to make that yeah. argument, right? Like, it's insane to be on Twitter and read someone say today that LeBron didn't deserve MVP <laughs> because... <laughs> Shout-out uh, Skip Bayless. Yeah, but, but because, like, Kyrie hit the, uh, hit the big shot at the end of the game. But, like, you look at, you look at Jordan and... and by the way, Steve Kerr hit a series-winning shot, and yeah. John Paxton hit a series-winning shot. So it's not that, like, in some ways it feels like people will only be satisfied if he does absolutely everything on the court for his team. And no one's ever done that, and he's never going to do that. So it's an insane standard to hold him to. Yeah, I agree. Uh, listening to Sports Talk today, I obviously couldn't get enough hearing about the Cavs championship, but it was immediately ruined when I heard, what is LeBron's legacy? Has this ruined Steph's legacy? Is Kyrie really the MVP? Will LeBron yeah. go to Miami now? It's, it's, <laughs> did the Cavs win or did the Warriors lose? <laughs> yeah, it's nuts just to get into all these debates after the fact. Like, it's probably the best and worst thing about being a sports fan is like you get to ha- get into all these crazy arguments. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like I honestly don't care what anyone else's opinion is. It's yeah. fun to like fight them for a minute, but then just go on and live your life. Well, let's <laughs> let's go to the last five minutes of the game. They're down four, and I'm thinking. This isn't going to happen. You know, it's on the road. We can't hit a shot. They're running iso ball. It's just a matter of time till Curry or Clay Thompson hits a three. And then yeah. LeBron gets the foul on Azili, hits the free three free throws. Uh, then the Kyrie clutch three. Kevin Love covering Steph Curry like a shadow. And then uh, the final uh, near monster dunk in the, the hit free throw. What, what was the highlight to you? of the last couple minutes, notwithstanding yeah. the, the block from behind that we all know about. Right. Well, one thing first is when the Cavs were down 76-75 going into the fourth quarter, and I just I saw that, and I was like, if you have the best player on the planet, you win this game, right? Like, it's, it's essentially a tie game. You can get this. So I actually thought, like, they were going to win at that point, even on the road. Like, I thought as long as the Warriors weren't up 10 going into the fourth or up more than 10, the Cavs had a shot. Uh, the best moment of the game 
for me was the LeBron, aside from the chase down, was LeBron trying to dunk on Draymond. Because, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, the entire time for LeBron's career, everyone's always criticized him for not doing something like that. And then he does it and he gets fouled. And I thought he broke his wrist. I was trying to figure out if he'd be able to make a free throw left-handed and what that would mean. But he makes that he makes that free throw, and then and then you kind of know the game's done, right? They're up four with like thirty seconds left, and and you, I really started to feel confident then. But my fav, my favorite moment of the end of the game was actually Kevin Love guarding Steph on that last possession. Yeah, because it's like that dude has been dragged through the mud for two years. He's not played that well. But then last night, like that's that is exactly the matchup the Warriors wanted, yeah. and Steph couldn't do anything about it. And like, and like again, like narratively, that is the perfect ending for Kevin Love. And it might be the last those the last thirty seconds he plays in Cleveland, but like that's a great way to go out. Yeah, I thought it was great that they got the matchup they wanted off pick and roll. He couldn't shake Kevin Love, so he passed it, and then they passed it right back to him because yeah. they're like, no, you need to take this. And then he tried all his little, like, fakes and his head fakes, and he just could not shake love. And then the fact that he had to throw up just kind of a desperation three, like you said, it was uh, the perfect redemption for Kevin Love. Even if statistically, you know, three of nine for nine points did have a lot of rebounds. Maybe statistically you wouldn't say it a great game, but he definitely came up huge. Well, yeah, he came up big in the first quarter. He had, like, a bunch of offensive rebounds. He got to the free throw line. And, like... He just doesn't fit into the offense that well, but I mean, he did things in a game seven that matter, like Verjao and Azili. Like those guys didn't play well in in game seven, and they're not max contract players the same way that Kevin Love is or was. But I don't know, man. Like it's a game seven. LeBron's leading you. Do something to help the team win, and he did. It was funny though because Steph had a moment in that possession where he could have launched from like close to half court because he had like enough space, and he didn't do it. Um, and if he had taken that, it probably would have been a bad shot, but it's Steph, so you don't actually know if yeah. it's a bad shot. That's the crazy thing. Um, but speaking of love, do you think he's going to be on the team when the season starts next year? You know what? I think it's so hard to trade someone after you win a championship, no matter how bad they looked uh, in the last couple games. And that's the last week has just been, where can the tra- Cavs trade Kevin Love? Can they trade him to Boston? Can they trade him to New York? Uh, for Melo, whatnot. I think they'll still listen to offers, and if someone gives them a really good offer, the problem is his stock isn't very high right now. So no one's going to like bend over to get Kevin Love. Right. Uh, and the Cavs aren't going to be desperate to move him because they're like, hey, look, uh, we're you know it worked out in the end, and another year together will will be even stronger, and uh, maybe we'll add some other you know better pieces around uh, going forward. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can trade him for picks because LeBron's 31. No, yeah, yeah. And so you have to get a decent player. I don't know who's out there. I don't know what Love can fetch. And again, like, they, they did win the championship. And, like, at least, I mean, the the thing that I think is fascinating about the NBA right now is defensive versatility is probably more important than offensive versatility. Yeah. Like, if you can switch your guys one through five, you can win. And Love, like, that's a real problem for him, like, even though he had that amazing last possession. So I don't know, like it'd be weird to break up that team um, or start trading pieces, but if they can get better, if they can get better value for it, I think they will. So I wouldn't say like, he's definitely going to be there, but 
know, yeah, if you I, don't represent it. I think court. Steve Kerr did such a favor to the Cavs by having Azili and Verger on the court so much because that allowed the Cavs to keep Thompson and Love on the floor. Yeah. And when they go to like the pure small ball with Draymond at like the five, you yeah. can't have both of them on the court. Here's the crazy thing: the Cavs don't have to do anything, and barring any like crazy free agent moves, they will make the finals next year if they're healthy. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Unless unless like Durant goes to the Eastern Conference, no one else is going to get that much better than the Cavs, and like they're they're still going to make the finals, and the Warriors are still going to have to go through the Western Conference. Yeah. So you and you know why? Like, why not let your team? ride get better in the third year rest everyone like you did this year and then come back ready to go for the playoffs it's really a great situation for him yeah the thing that shocked me most about the game was how the warriors what did they score in the fourth quarter 14 points something like that like that that just shocked me that their inability to score and granted they became so predictable that they were just sitting on the three-point line waiting to jack them up Mm -hmm. but it's just it, it blows my mind their team won 73 games and is the highest scoring team in the league scored 14 points in the final quarter of the season. I don't know how that happens. Yeah, I'm always really confused at how like great offensive lock great offenses lock up in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And I know defenses get better, but it's just it always blows my mind that even this happens with the Cavs, it happens with KD and Russ, it happened with the Warriors last night like Yeah. Offensive is just slow down. I, I think it's cuz defensive just get better and people get a little more conservative. And you just you would just never assume that the Warriors do that, but like they had a they picked a bad time to go cold. No yeah, and night. there's something about toward the end of the game, and I don't know if this is strategic or the guys are tired, but it seems like both teams kind of pound the ball into the ground for 10 seconds, and then they start moving. Yeah. And then, like with the Cavs, they were doing a ton of, like, three guys stand in the corner, one guy comes to set a pick on LeBron, LeBron tries to get a mismatch. If he ends up with a Zeely, great. If not, oh, shit, there's five seconds left on the clock. Let's just, yeah. like, chuck something up or throw it in and try and get something to happen. So it just feels like offensive kind of break down as opposed to keep going with what's been working the whole game. Yeah, and, and it's, it's crazy that, like, professionally coached teams, that happens to them. I don't, I don't really know what the answer is. Yeah. Uh, but, hey, I, I actually I want to change my opinion on my favorite part of the end of the game. If you watch the chase down block, um, JR is back in that one on two, and he tries to block Iguadala, and he doesn't foul him. But the fact that he gets up meant that Iguadala had to go up and under, which meant that LeBron had enough time to get there. Like, if JR doesn't do that, Iguadala lays that ball up pretty easily, and Ooh. LeBron just doesn't have time to get the block. So, I like how you're breaking down this film like the Zapruder film, looking at every angle yeah, and minutiae you can I find. Watched, I watched every video of JR footage last night. Yeah. And maybe he's the real MVP. <laughs> he did come up big. To start the second half, he started hitting shots. And I was like, every game in Golden State, he seems to totally disappear. But it was it was the total team effort, not to use a uh, athlete cliche, cliche. But I was pretty impressed by, by JR to step up like that. And by the way, can we just mention how awesome it is that they went to Vegas after winning <laughs> the title? Yeah, and then the videos of JR in Vegas are him just acting a complete fool. Yeah, and how he came... He, Left the plane in Cleveland still with his shirt off. Yeah, he's a man. Did, yeah. you, did you see? It's even funnier that he did all that after his post game press conference. Did yeah, after. That? I love you, Dad. I, I'm so emotional. Okay, time to act a fool. I thought the, I thought that was like a kind of an amazing moment because Jr. gets so much crap for being a knucklehead. Yeah, and obviously he admits that, but like it's cliche. But he's a real person underneath there, and obviously the stuff means so much more to him than we would ever imagine. 
I thought it was a really cool moment, especially on Father's Day to be able to say that. Yeah. Well, and what stood out to me is that I think everyone just, you know, J.R. Smith is like a joke. And not only like the knucklehead thing, but people think that J.R. Smith doesn't take anything seriously. But, I mean, we know that a couple years ago he got in a car wreck and his his friend died. Like, the guilt you have to live with with something like that has, has to be tremendous. And then there's all these other things in his lives that no one knows about just because J.R. Smith is kind of a character of himself. And it's nice to, to be reminded that, you know, he's more than the, just that and he's not just yeah. a meme. And dude, any, any NBA player who is successful at that level takes it very seriously. Yeah. Like, they, he makes some bonehead decisions within games, but that is like a fraction of what he does. It's, it's mind-blowing to me that people see stuff like that. Ooh, and, and I, another question that came to my mind. Do, does Anderson Varejao get a ring and does David Blatt get a ring? Uh, Anderson Varejao. Yes, LeBron get Well, LeBron's going to make the decision on who she's <laughs> Yeah. So Varejao gets a ring. Blatt does not get a ring. Oof. That's yeah. brutal. He's over in Turkey drinking his yeah. sorrows away, and he doesn't get a ring either. He does not get a ring. He contributed Very. to this team a lot more than Anderson Varejao did. Anderson Varejao played like 15 minutes of the whole season. Yeah, but LeBron loves Varejao. Yeah, I will say that he was in Cleveland for, what, like 15 years? So it's got to be like a lifetime achievement ring. Yeah. Uh, although I thought it was great that him and LeBron started to get chippy at the end. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, and it, I and I get it, dude. I cheered for Varejao and laughed every time he flopped against the Pistons. But when he does it against your team, you're like, I just want to strangle that dude. It's, it's maddening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But for David Blatt, yeah. I I mean, the thing was, do you remember his one of his last games before he got fired? I think they were just working out how to fire him. But his like second or third to last game was the Warriors at home when they lost by, like, 40 points. Uh, yeah, on national television. Yeah, so the turnaround of to beat the Warriors in a seven-game series after not beating them, they had wa- lost, what, seven in a row? Six in a row? Yeah. I think it was seven in a row after game two. To come back and win the series, uh, yeah, I don't think David Blatt's going get, gonna to get a ring sent to Turkey. What you just said brings up an amazing point about like the game last night, in that it was so it was like so important on so many levels and so improbable. Like the cat, the the Warriors hadn't lost two in a row the entire season except for in the previous round, right? They hadn't lost three in a row in two years. Yeah, and like to lose three in a to lose three in a row, two of them at home when you went seventy three and nine. It's just it is mind blowing. Yeah, speaking of hot takes in the series. I saw someone tweet after game two, good thing the Cavs fired David Blatt. And it was like, you know, the, the immediate reactionary, Tyron Lue's worse than Blatt. Blatt was a good coach. Remember when everyone was like, Blatt should be hired by the Knicks? Like, he was like the yeah. hot name. And now that the, the Cavs won three in a row to win the series, meanwhile, they had lost by 40 just a couple months ago. Now it's like, yeah. oh, maybe he does belong in Israel or Turkey or whatever. So, uh Here's the lesson, as always. Sports fans, including us, don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that's true. And do you know who does know everything? Exactly. LeBron James. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, executive of the year, NBA Finals MVP, yep. coach of the year. The awards Mas- are just going to keep rolling in. Mascot of the year. <laughs> Mascot. Oh. The He's in the moon dog. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, um, so I wanted to move... Just before we wrap up here, 
on our first podcast to the NBA offseason. We know it's crazy. We're already hearing the, will LeBron go back to Miami? Although it sounds like Pat Riley completely shit on him on the way out the door. So I don't see that. That was like the hidden motivation for him last year. Yeah. Finally revealed. I love that he didn't reveal it until he won a championship. And and in ultimate passive-aggressive fashion, he goes, I'm not going to name names, but someone in Miami told me this is the biggest mistake of my life. Could have been the guy at the deli. (laughs) Could have been the guy at my yacht club. Could have been Pat Riley. I don't know. Uh, So, yeah, that was very... Very LeBron. And then the Ultimate Warrior shirt and the Sipping Tea Kermit hat. Yeah. He is the master of being passive-aggressive. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm really happy about it. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think that's going to happen. Then there was talk about the Lakers. But why would you go to that dumpster fire if all you want to do is win championships? Yeah. And LeBron's staying put. There's, like, no, no debate about that. Unless he yeah. can, like, assemble his team. Team somewhere. Banana Boat? Yeah, but, like, he's not going to do that the year after they won a championship. Yeah, I would not be surprised if LeBron leaves Cleveland again at the end of his career. Yeah. But but like this, when there's really no option, Yeah. I, I don't understand it. Ooh, how about, is there enough is there enough cap space for the Warriors? And maybe <laughs> on the Warriors next year. I kind of like oh that. Oh, my idea. gosh. Dude, but can you imagine the decision with Jim Gray going to the Warriors? <laughs> jerseys burning in the streets that say NBA champion on them? Oh, by the way, I want someone to interview every single Cavs fan that burned a jersey on the street and find them now and see what they have to say. <laughs> well, did you see there was there's one guy who now wears his burned LeBron jersey two games, and oh it's got, God. like, holes in it. He's, like, wearing it as a badge of honor that he burned that LeBron's jersey. That but idiot. just to give you a taste of how ridiculous the NBA offseason is, now this was, I think, after game two, but here is a trade that Chad Ford, an ESPN writer, and this is insider, so you're paying premium bucks to see this potential trade. Here is his potential trade for the offseason. Knicks send Carmelo Anthony and Robin Lopez to Cleveland. Cavaliers send Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, Mo Williams, and Sasha Khan to Phoenix. Suns send Eric Bledsoe to Cleveland, Brandon Wright, Knight, Alex Len, P.J. Tucker, Archie Goodwin, and the numbers 4 and 13 picks to New York. It's like you just like reshuffled half the league. Like, what are we talking about? You're going to feel very foolish when that trade happens. (laughs) I I will say I pulled a U in 2004. For our listeners that don't know, right before the Pistons won the championship in 2004, when the Pistons lost a game in the playoffs, Varun was ready to trade trade Chauncey Billups and said there's no way they win it until they trade Chauncey. Wait, let me clarify this statement. When the Pistons were playing the Nets, I think it was the Eastern Conference Finals, we were losing a game, oh, yeah. and in the third quarter of that game, I said, trade Chauncey now, Yeah, Chauncey proceeded to hit a half-court shot. <laughs> to send it to overtime. overtime. And then we won a triple overtime. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. I thought, I thought the Nets won that game. Oh, well, then maybe I was right. <laughs> <laughs> I will. So the reason I brought that up is I will admit, after game two, I was ready to ship out Kevin Love and Kyrie. I had, I had everyone leaving except for LeBron. Yeah. So I I was doing the same thing that Chad Ford was. Kyrie's untouchable now. Yeah. So anyway, any other thoughts on the NBA offseason? There's talk about the T-Wolves trading, the number yeah. five pick, Derrick no. Rose to the Knicks. The only the only thing I care about in the offseason is what Kevin Durant does. Yeah. That's the only thing I care about. Because that is like that is the only move that can really shift like the power balance the balance of power either way. Like if he goes to the Warriors, then the Warriors become 
I think, real bad guys. And KD is potentially a villain for the first time in his career. Yeah. When he goes to the Spurs, that's a little bit more defensible, and he's still the best player on that team. I don't see why he would go. And there's like been a lot of talk about him going to Boston. Uh, I mean, I mean, then you have to compete with LeBron. Like, why not just stay with Russell Westbrook? And they almost beat the Warriors. This yeah, I, so I think just stay. I think the biggest reason why he would never go to the Spurs and the Warriors is that not only is it like LeBron, where you're just like creating a super team. But it's that, you know, like the Cavs and Heat didn't have like a rivalry before. This yeah. is like literally if you can't beat him, join him. Yeah. And I think then if he gets a ring, it's so like diminished by the fact that, hey, the Warriors beat me last year. Now we beat the Thunder again with me. Well, yeah. did, it, did they even need me to beat the Thunder and get to the finals again? And then it's a t- coin flip about whether or not they win in the finals without me anyway. Yeah, and Here's the thing about the NBA that I like right now. Like these guys are larger than life, and they actively dislike each other on the court. Yeah. And I just want that to continue. It's like the houses in Game of Thrones. Like just, I just want oh, them to battle it out for the next decade. And I haven't watched Game of Thrones yet from last night, so no spoilers. But uh, that is like, I just love that. I want him and Russ to stay together and win together, and I want LeBron to play these guys in the finals every year. And I'm fine with Team Banana Boat, I guess, but like I just want all the players at their peaks to stay in their own lanes and battle each other every, every yeah. Every and spring. I will say I've ripped the NBA so hard in the past because I think it's not competitive in the regular season. The playoffs are way too long. There's way way too many teams in it, et cetera, et cetera. But this postseason, with Oklahoma City coming back after losing so badly to Spurs and winning that series. Then going up 3-1 and losing to the Warriors, plus all the beef between those two teams. And then for it to end with the Cavs coming back down 3-1 with that wildly yeah. dramatic Game 7. I mean, that that was the best NBA postseason I can remember. I don't know yeah, if, I, if you yeah. remember one. And the crazy thing is, like, the finals, except for the last game, every game was decided by more than 10 points. Yeah. Like, if you're watching, I thought they all felt really close. Yeah. Except, and it, for, except for a couple, like, there were two blowouts. But everything else, like, there were stretches of those games where it could have gone either way. Yeah. And, and I feel like when they say it's double digits, that's it's kind of misleading because a lot of basketball games end up being, like, 10 points, even if they were, like, only winning by four with 15 yeah. seconds left because then it turns into hackathon. If you don't hit threes, yeah. then the league gets out of control. So, oh. yeah. Here's one other thing. I, I like the NBA regular season. I understand it's really long and that teams aren't always giving it their all. But I would really like to know which other leagues have competitive regular seasons all the way through. I know you're going to say college football. Yes. And I'm going to guess you're going to say the NFL. Yes. Those are the only two. Well, I think Major League Baseball is better because you can get into the final week where they're a game or two apart, and these are teams that have legit shots to win the World Series. My problem with the NBA is it you're is fighting over the eighth seed with a losing up. record. The MLB season is 162 games. No, it's ridiculously long, but I'm saying it's like it, – it's important. The games at the end are meaningful. So are games at the end of the NBA season are meaningful too in the regular season. Are they? Like when did the yeah. Warriors have – home court throughout the playoffs locked up. They had that locked up like two weeks to go to the season. There's less playoff spots available in baseball, right? Yeah. So for the top seeds, the regular season matters less. But like this year, or even previous years, you're fighting for home court advantage, which obviously matters. And then at the bottom, 
yes, the eight seeds, they're probably, they don't have great records, but that's not, I don't think that's a, that's an indictment of the length of the season or the competitiveness. It's just like the league talent overall. Well, I think, I think there's two, I don't think you need 16 playoff teams out of 30 league teams, but I was going to say that they try and make it, what happens is the last week of the season, they're like, wow, playoff spots are up for grabs. And it's like, really, do I care if the Pistons or I don't even remember who made it out of the West to get in. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. <laughs> yeah. So, like that. anyway, I know when I when I cross you on the NBA, there's hell to pay. But my point was, it was a hell of a postseason, and it legitimized uh, legitimized the product the NBA has, and it was a great first fixing of the finals by Adam Silver. So hats <laughs> off to him. Hey, if they're fixing the finals, I'm all I'm in favor of it. If yeah. I get to watch that every year, yes, yeah, please let's do that. Yeah, um, uh, well, so this I, was this was also your daughter's first NBA finals. Oh yeah, so yeah, we want to switch it over real quick to Father's Day. Uh, had my first Father's Day, your second Father's Day, and she actually turned exactly one month today. So yeah. it's kind of uh, reflective on on how crazy the first month has been, and I will say. The thing I wanted to ask you and the thing I wanted to comment on was things they don't tell you about being a dad. And what people always said to me was, well, you just kind of feed them, uh, change their diaper, hold them, uh, and that's really it. And, but you don't have any time. You're just always moving around. And I never really understood, like, how is that possible? And then, you know, you have a baby and, and you start feeding them and you feed them for about a half hour and they drink a little slow. Then they pass out. So then they're asleep for 15 minutes, they wake up, they eat again for another half hour, Mm -hmm. then you got to change their diaper, Mm -hmm. then you put them back together, then they spit up all over their clothes, then you got to change them again, and then all of a sudden they're hungry again because they spit up all the food and they didn't actually eat as much as uh, you thought they did. So just just kind of the whirlwind of it, um, I, I just didn't understand how eating, sleeping, and pooping took up 24 hours a day, but it but really it does. does. <laughs> it it does. does. Well, the crazy thing is you have to take your own life, your the mother's life, your wife's life, and then on top of that, you have to now care for another life. Yeah. Right? So, like, your normal schedule now has another schedule on top of it, and yeah. it just takes up all your time. And it's like those that first month was, like, such a blur. I just yeah. remember being overwhelmingly tired the whole time and – and that's it. But like the routine is, it's like, it's, I mean, it is every day the same thing. You're like blown away by the fact that you actually get to do it. Yeah. And like all the crazy things that happen from a day to day basis. But it is really like feed, sleep, change, feed, sleep, change. And then like find time to clean your house and make food for yourself. It's yeah. That, that's the best part is that then when they're actually asleep, you're like, oh my gosh, look at all the bottles and all the clothes that have been ruined. Yeah. Gotta go do the laundry, gotta go do the dishes, gotta clean up because we've left crap all over the the apartment or the house. So yeah. it really is a full time job. But what was your uh, mystery question? Um, how do you feel about the fact that Rexetta will live in a world where LeBron's greatness can never be challenged? <laughs> that does feel pretty good. I I am happy that from now on. Anytime someone says, I think so-and-so has passed LeBron James, all you do is replay highlights from this finals. And you go, remember the last time people questioned whether or not LeBron James was the best player in the world? <laughs> what happened then? So Yeah, it's really, I mean, it is, it was, 
I was talking to our friend Jay Brady McCullough, the best um, journalist in, I think, the world. Uh, and he said, and we were talking about it, and I asked if there had ever been a game that had like so definitively settled sports debates. And I don't think there has been, right? Like Definitively, the Warriors can't say they're the greatest team of all time. Definitively, LeBron can say, he can shut down any argument against him at this point. Like, yeah. LeBron fans are going to say he's the greatest. Other people will say Jordan is the greatest. I think he's the second bit, second greatest player of all time at this point. And like, yeah. and you can point to this game to shut down any ridiculous argument. It was yeah. just fantastic. It, it's so funny because sports fans always love to argue as if they're objective. There's never been an objective sports argument. Like, yeah. You and I cannot have an objective sports argument about LeBron versus Jordan because we were 10 years old when Jordan was Yeah. Great. And we're 31. No, we're more than that. We're 33 uh, now. <laughs> Yeah, uh, like there's just no, there's just no objectivity to it. Right? Yeah, like your life and affects it so much. And in general, I have sworn off the 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 biggest sports debates I hate of all time are: did so and so win it, or did so and so lose it? Yeah. And could so and so team now beat so and so team of the past? It's like this is an unanswerable question. There is yeah. no point. In talking about it. Wow, well, I think this is the end of our first reunion tour podcast. Yeah, if you don't hear from us again for six years, it's probably been purchased for ten figures. Uh, <laughs> I've heard there's already an interested buyer. I can't name names because of an MDA. NB- NDA, but it does rhyme with Zark Muckerberg. So... <laughs> Just going to leave our fans with that thought going into the second podcast, if it happens. Stay tuned for our next 10 episodes, which will all be about LeBron James. And be spaced out over 60 years. (laughs) Bye, y'all.